Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawn, New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, we retell it and have a chat about the tale itself and the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I am your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome to episode 102 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast, we're going to be telling one of the earliest, if not the earliest recorded textual tale from Irish lore. This is The Adventure of Conle. But first, I want to give a very big welcome to any new and any returning listeners. You are so, so welcome. Thank you so much for your continued or recent support. Please do follow me over on Instagram at firesidebard, all one word. Uh, it's the best place for videos, for content on what I'm, I'm doing at the moment, and it's the best place to say hello and let me know what you think of the podcast or even just to reach out I always love from hearing from each and every one of you. Please do, if you are in a position to support the Patreon at Fireside Bard, all one word, uh, patreon.com forward slash Fireside Podcast. Your support has never been more appreciated on over on the Patreon, particularly during this most difficult year. But the Patreon is entirely there as an egalitarian model of soundness. It is only if you want to and are in a position to. It is the place to hear all the secret plans that are in development for Fireside, which are going to be told very soon to one and all. Uh, I no new ones for this week, so I just want to give another thank to the most recent patrons, which is John McDermott and Keanu Mahoney, who have joined our ever-growing list of very kind and loyal benefactors. Thank you so so much to you and to every other one of the patrons thank you so much the story for today we're going to get right into brass tacks now is as i said at the beginning this is we think the earliest recorded text of irish mythology and this is a this is a very recent discovery of mine i've spoken a bit particularly in the 100th episode two weeks ago about an incredible book called ireland's immortals a history of the gods Irish Myth by Mark Williams. It is a book I very recently discovered in the last couple of months and I absolutely devoured it when I did and have used it time and time again since and I'm very very excited that I'm actually going to be doing the first interview for Fireside and I'm going to be interviewing via Zoom the great Mark Williams the author of this book who is a he's a professor of English and Irish literature in Oxford University and he really, really knows this stuff. He really knows what he's talking about. He comes from he comes to mythology from an academic point of view and a literary point of view, uh, which is a different approach than I take sometimes because I come from it from a performative point of view as a as a storyteller first and foremost. But I'm really, really excited just to pick this guy's brain because I've never read quite as good a book on the 
critical theory of Irish myth. It's very much an academic book, but I found it an incredibly entertaining read. I loved every bit of it, and I look forward to reading it again before interviewing Mark later on this month. So we have that to look forward to as well, another new departure for Fireside. But in Ireland's Immortals, he talks quite a lot about this story that I had not known about, which was The Adventure of Conley, which is said to be the earliest recorded text source. They think the earliest source was about the 12th century, but they think this has been to- was written down first from about the 8th century. Must find out the exact source date for that, which is very interesting considering it is a story that I hadn't come across really at all. But as a happy coincidence, it happens to be a direct sequel, if you will, to the story we told for the 100th episode, which was the story of Khan of the 100 Battles. You see, Conley is Khan's eldest son and heir to the throne. So this, I wanted to explore some of these newer stories, some of these newer, way older stories that I discovered in Ireland's Immortals. And Khan of the 100 Battles was such a gift for the 100th episode to be able to do thematically and just as it was such a wonderful combination of all the various cycles of Irish mythology it all seemed to really grow and develop into Con of the Hundred Battles and as I said then the best thing about continuing to visit or revisiting any of these myths is that one because we've come on this journey so far of over a hundred episodes and a hundred stories all of the other myths and all of the other cycles and stories, they all keep coming up and it just is starting to feel like this really text, like this fabric, this texture that you can almost touch. It feel, It's starting to feel more and more like a lived-in world, which is all I wanted from this podcast and from learning more about this. So... With that in mind, this is episode 102. This is The Voyage of... We'll talk a bit more after, of course, but this is The Adventure of Conley on Fireside. The Adventure of Conley Con of the Hundred Battles was the High King of Ireland. It's unsure just how many battles he was in by the time he married his wife, Etna. Let's say, 56. 56? Together, Etna and Khan had two sons, Khonle and Art. When Khan was roughly 75 out of 100 battles in, he took his son Khonle to the Hill of Ishnach, the mythological centre of Ireland, where the great Lu Lavada is said to rest. Perhaps it was here that Khan was lured to be proclaimed High King. He never found out for sure. But on this day, Khan had taken his son to survey the land and have a one day all of this will be yours moment. And everything the light touches is our kingdom, not if you will. With the king and crown prince was Corin, Khan's most valued druid. So we have Khan, Khonle and Corin. Grand. As the three men stood on the hill of Ishnok, they began to hear a voice. They all heard, but only Conle saw. And what did he see? He saw a woman walking between two worlds. His brain couldn't quite explain it to the rest of his body. The prince was paralyzed by the shock and the beauty of this 
interworldly vision. The woman spoke. Hello, Conley. Conley the Red. Conley, son of Con. Conley attempted to find his voice, but words and faculties continued to fail him. But it didn't matter. The woman seemed to have read his mind and heard his question. I am from the land of the ever-living ones. I am one of the ace she, whom you would know as the Tua de Danan. It was us that proclaimed your father and put him on the throne at Tara. Today I offer you an even greater reward. Come with me. Come with me to the land of delight, Conle. Come with me and become immortal. As Conle stood transfixed, his father Con looked frantically around him. Corin, my druid, do you see where this voice is coming from? No, my king. I can hear, but I am blind to this magic. This is dark magic, and I don't trust it. Some evil is trying to corrupt my son and heir. Corin, use all your powers to defeat her. The druid Corin raised his hazel wand and began to chant and swing it over his head. He could not see the woman of the ace she, but he could hear her. She may have been from the land of delight, but the Toadedanan were not the rulers of Ireland any more. This was a mortal's world now, a world of mortal druids. The ace she could feel Corin's spells. She began to retreat back to her home world, but not before tossing an apple through the two worlds to Conle. The prince caught it and quickly concealed the gift. I will find you again, Conle the Red, the woman said as she disappeared from sight. The party returned to Tara, shaken but relieved. A feast was held for Corin for having defeated the evil and saving Conle. It seemed a strange thing to celebrate, when it was exactly such circumstances happening to Con that led to his invitation into the house of Lu, his meeting of the goddess Eru, and his inauguration as High King. Perhaps this had made the king paranoid. Or perhaps he had heard exactly what the woman of the Shi had promised, and feared losing the heir to his throne. Conley did not consume any food or drink at the feast. In fact, he did not consume any food at all for a whole month apart from the apple. The apple of the other world. His gift from the beautiful spirit who had offered him everything. Every time he ate the apple, it would replenish. The apple, too, was immortal. Conley tried to believe his father that the incident had been illusion and to be forgotten about. But he couldn't. Conley had heard so many times the story of how his father had become king, but he had never really believed it before now. After a month, Conley awoke one night to see his lost love of the other world hovering above his bed. Conley stared, transfixed. His lips did not need to move for the two to have an entire conversation. But his father, Khan, was alerted to the phantom intrusion. Guards, wake and summon Corin the Druid. I am in need of his enchantments once again. 
"'Shame on you, Khan of the Hundred Battles,' said the spectral vision. "'You that had all your power bestowed upon you by those whom now you curse. "'Shame on you for relying on the power of druids. "'Soon your world will fall apart, and there will be even less place in Ireland for my people, "'but there will be nothing for your descendants. "'They will fight and fall apart to nothing.' I am offering your son an escape. Be grateful. Khan turned helplessly to Conle, who looked his father in the eyes and said, Father, I am the slave of duty. I love you and my people. You have raised me well to follow in your footsteps and become High King of Era. You have already achieved mortality. Your name will be known forever. I will never be as well known. But I have a chance at a different immortality, and more, of love. There was nothing Khan could say. With tear-filled eyes, he watched his son board a crystal boat and walk into the embrace of the ace she. Conley disappeared into the land of delight, into immortality. He was never seen again. Khan realized a prophecy had been fulfilled. On the day he was made High King by Lulavada, Khan had been told he would be succeeded by his unborn son, Art, not Conley. Khan had blocked this part of the prophecy from his mind, but now realized all this had been foretold, and was meant to be. So it fell to Khan's son Art to serve as High King, Art would father Cormac MacArt, who would grow jealous of Fionn MacCool. His daughter Gráinne would run off with Fionn's most trusted companion Dermot. His son Carbra Lificar would wage war and destroy the Fianna, leaving Fionn's son Ushin alone until he too was invited to the land of the Undying, Tirnanog. All came because of this change of fate. The spiriting away of Conle. A god had appeared to mortal. Now mortal had become god. To be continued. Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. The World According to Wikipedia is a podcast that pops the hood of Wikipedia and invites you to take a look inside. Each episode we will talk to someone from the Wikimedia community on topics like why are only 18% of biographies about women? Can editing Wikipedia be a protest or activism? And what is it like for the communities working on the 200 plus Wikipedias that are not in English? Subscribe on your podcatcher of choice and follow us on Twitter at world underscore Wikipedia. And that is the story of the adventure of Conley on Fireside. And I hope you enjoyed it. Yes, this this is a very significant 
story, this this story and its depiction in Ireland's Immortals certainly shifted, if not altered together, my view on Irish mythology. Here we have, first of all, like I said before, we have a beautiful example of just more texture and an added patch being added to the quilts of the Irish pantheon and of Irish mythology. In that, at the end here, we have a paragraph connecting this story very much to the Fenian cycle. We have met, we met Khan of the Hundred Battles briefly in the Fena cycle, in the Fenian cycle, but then we met him properly in Khan of the Hundred Battles. And here we see the direct connection that Khan is the father of Art, who is the father of Cormac MacArt. And we met Cormac MacArt a huge amount in the Fenian cycle as the king during the time of Fionn McCool and how it was Cormac MacArt's daughter who was Dermot, which led to the pursuit of Dermot and Gráinne. It's that closely connected, and yet this is a story not essentially of the Fenian cycle, of a totally different part. Uh, it's, it is one of the two companion tales, the other of which we will do in a couple of weeks. The Voyage of Bran, the adventure of Conlay and the Voyage of Bran are viewed as almost two mirrors of the same story, although I think they're quite different, but I like them both in equal measure. But perhaps you might have noticed this yourself, but I talk a great deal about Christianity and religion on this podcast because they have to be dealt with. They have to be constant. It is a constant thing to be wary of and aware of when you are dealing with Irish mythology. Because, as I will say time and time again, these stories were written down for the very first time by Christian monks and scribes. These stories were adapted in their first forms in their first literary forms as a means of converting the pagans who may have believed in these as gods by converting them into Christian into Christians by demoting these gods and heroes into more heroic but still mortal figures and so because of that Christian conversion and this was something I never realized the true extent of we really have little to no idea of which of these gods as we would call them again now were actually worshipped as deities by the pagan Irish and that is one thing Ireland's Mortals really does drive home is this idea that we don't know that and it views it treats it it tries to view the gods of the Irish mythology more as literary figures and talks about how 12th and 13th century writers would have been writing about these gods in the same way that we would write about vampires. They were writing about them as literary figures and as creatures of folklore that did not need to be paid the same respect that deities necessarily did. Whereas you compare that to the Norse mythology, you have a bit of a similar thing, although they survived textually in more just two very distinct bodies of work in that the prose and the poetic era. But when you have the Greek, ancient Greek mythology, you have a case where a lot of the first time they would have been written down would have been by people who actually did still believe in those gods as gods. And so they were to be respected in a different way. Whereas these very very early writers 
those who weren't monks and they would have been Christian scribes and monks for a long time, they weren't treating them with the same deference in that they felt comfortable changing things. So they could have a story about Mananon, MacLear or Lou and they could just do really whatever they wanted with them. They didn't feel that they had to adhere to a specific story or a specific text. They could add in characters, they could change elements, they could really do what they wanted because they didn't worship them as gods. They were already literary figures to them. And that is a particularly fascinating angle that Ireland's Immortals takes and one that I hadn't really realised the true extent of. But with the adventure of Conley, what this story is viewed as, interestingly enough, is of a very direct Christian allegory, which I tried to mute, if not entirely, uh, if not entirely get rid of, because I didn't want to, I never want to intentionally skewer these stories away from the Christianity, I just... I like to I like to appreciate them as stories and I'm much more interested in the folklore and the mythological aspect of it than of uh, Christian allegory in any way. And when when there was a motive behind telling these as Christian allegories, I don't like that. I don't like stories with a motive like that, a story that is aimed at making you believe in a certain thing. That's not my MO at all, uh, even though I appreciate why it was used that way and very effectively so but what the adventure of Conley the original text suppose is that this vision in, uh, appearing to Conley is much more she is uh, she is the church she is an allegory for religion and that she wants to take Conley away to immortality and chastises Khan for his reliance on druid magic. Uh, in the original text, she hammers a lot harder on on the druids and says, like, mortals shouldn't believe in druids because druids very much were real people. Up until surprisingly recently, there's a, there's a the documentary you can watch on YouTube that's called The Last Druid, who was a guy who only died about 15 years ago and he was considered the last of a druidic order. So, you know, druids are very much a real thing, whether you believed in their enchantments and their magic or not. Druids were an incredibly powerful order throughout throughout all Celtic and Gallic worlds. Like, the druids were very significant in, in the Gallic War. I mean, Julius Caesar talk, writes about druids and about, you know, respecting druids and not trying to not get druids too involved in battle. So in the adventure of Conley, we have this spectral vision, this otherworldly vision, chastising Khan for using druid magic and its reliance on druid magic. And in the original text, she proclaims, because this story is so supposed to be set after the birth of Christ, but before the coming of St. Patrick. And this otherworldly vision is supposed to foretell the coming of St. Patrick and the, the ending of the pagan worlds. Which is certainly very interesting, and I, I allude to it somewhat, but try not to hammer anything home at all, because I also do like the idea of this being a Tirnanog esque, a Tirnanog esque angle, because throughout all mythologies you have this dream and this idea of mortals being spirited away to the other world of mortals achieving immortality because so many of us 
dream of that. We t- it ties into our fears of death. We dream of immortality. We try to immortalize ourselves, you know, in writing, in film, in, in this way, in that way. In, in having children, you know, we try to immortalize ourselves by creating more of ourselves. And so this has gone back as far as, as far as we've been conscious, we have had the constant presence of death. And so throughout so many world mythologies, we have stories of mortals achieving literal immortality by being married to God or married to fairies. It nearly always ends for the worst, but we have a constant presence of that and so that didn't seem at all out of place to me here we have a kind of companion to Tirnanog to Oshin and Neve and Tirnanog and likewise in the voyage of Bran as we'll discover in a couple of weeks when we do that story we have this idea of a mortal being appeared to by a beautiful of because the gods like to marry mortals as much as the mortals want to marry gods. It's a little bit strange for them, you know. They like to come down and pluck us out of obscurity. And so you have this quite nice moment of a father just not wanting to lose his son forever. And selfishly not wanting to let Conley go because he'll never see him again. Even though he's begrudging his son a chance at living forever. And... A part I added to the end of the story there, which I quite liked, is this idea of different kinds of immortality that Conley says to his father, you are immortal. People will know your name forever. And and this is true. Con of the Hundred Battles is a name known still to this day alongside the likes of Lesser Than, but but certainly in the same regions of Cúchulain and Lú and Fionn McCool and all of these characters, Khan of the Hundred Battles, with his incredible title, has achieved that immortality. And that was always known, even from the time he was High King. It was foretold by Lu that he would be High King, he would be known forever. So Conley's argument is, you will be immortal regardless, whereas I won't be. And sure enough, I hadn't even, even over two years into doing this podcast, this was the first time I had come across Conle, son of Khan. But he did. He did achieve his own immortality. He went to the land of the undying, to Tirnanog. We also will meet in the Voyage of Bran this idea of various different undying lands and the idea that maybe all of it is Tirnanog, maybe some of it is different worlds. It is all. I think quite intentionally vague or I have no problem with that being vague because it is this idea of being taken away to this other world. It should be vague. We shouldn't quite be able to conceive it. This idea of seeing someone, seeing a vision through worlds, like seeing into a different dimension, it brings up thoughts of his dark materials, which I talked about a huge amount in, in the 100th episode, of cutting of cutting a, a portal through worlds of these infinite dimensions and these infinite timelines and it, it adds a very an ast- an astrophysics element to mythology which is something i never thought would encounter and it really it roots mythology in a new way this idea of this inconceivable but slightly perceivable reality it was a way. It was a way. I just I could I could start to see it, 
which I quite liked, and I hope that that was clear for you as well, that Khan can see the Kunle, <clears throat> that they could all hear this voice, but from a certain angle, Kunle was the only one who could see this vision calling to him, and she was seeing him through worlds. It wasn't necessarily like she just appeared. Perhaps she was like a ghost. Perhaps you could see through her. Perhaps she was solid. Perhaps it was through a window or a portal. But nonetheless, she appeared again and she took him away for seemingly no other reason other than she wanted to. It wasn't that he was destined to do anything in particular. Just perhaps she was a vision from the other world who had always spotted, who was always admired and always loved Conley and then was finally permitted by Manon and MacLear or whoever to take him into the Undying Lands. And there he is today. And also we have this idea of fate, of the th- of way things are meant to go. In the story of Khan of the Hundred Battles, Lou proclaimed Khan's entire line from Khan onwards. And the one only one other one we hear in the story is Art. And here we have Conley as the eldest son. And we wonder, did Khan know when Conley was born? Oh my god, oh this son is going to die. Or the for one reason or other, my eldest son will not become king. Did he always know that? Or did he block it from his mind until Conley left him? And then he realized about how unchangeable divine prophecy can be. Because that was maybe, the if no other reason, that was the reason Conley was, was spirited away. To put into place the Fianna. Because the Fianna came to be under Khan of the Hundred Battles. They were these warrior tribes and it was Khan who turned against Cool, who sided with Gull, Macmorna. Cool ends up being killed. Fionn is raised in the woods. He becomes this great hero. He comes back during the time of Cormac MacArt. Basically Conley being spirited away sets the entire Fenian cycle in motion. And if you try and put this together as this we are still recording. If you try and piece this together as one continuous story, that is as good a reason as any to spirit someone away to put an entire saga in motion. And as it happens, we are just coming up on time now. And I hope that my battery on my Zoom recorder doesn't hit. It's flashing quite aggressively at me. So I will wrap things up hopefully before it dies on me and I have to replace it with, with new double A's. But I hope you enjoyed it. That was a good chat afterwards. I enjoyed that. I hope it was slightly clear. It's it's very dense stuff we're we're talking about now because these are real detailed stories. This it was quite it was a shorter story than some, and yet there's it's packed. One scholar talking about this story describes it as gem like, that it looks different in no matter what in the different ways that you look at it. And I didn't really understand that until starting to talk about it now. But I hope you enjoyed the adventure of Conley. Thank you so much to Alan and Paddy over at Headstuff. I can't wait to get back into the Headstuff Podcast Network studios. Here in Ireland, we are just coming out of lockdown, coming up to Christmas now. So hopefully we'll be back in. Although I do really like my mobile studio here at home. I love the the gear I have and it's great being able to record at home, to write, record and edit. Please do follow me on Instagram at Fireside Bard. Get in touch. Please do, if you can, support the Patreon, Fireside Bard forward slash Fireside Podcast or patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast. I will see you all. You will hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me 
by the fireside and next week we will have our fireside christmas story so look forward to that i'll see you all until next time remember wherever you are wherever you go you can always join me by the fireside this podcast is part of the headstuff podcast network